get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. It is the NHL All-Star Break edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto. You can get the show on iTunes, subscribe and rate us there so you never miss a second and can go back and listen to past episodes as well as on TSN 1050.ca on Twitter, at TSN Analytics, and myself at AndyMC81. On the show. In just a couple moments, Travis Yost from TSN.ca stops by. Then from Hockey Graphs and The Athletic, it is Sean Tierney, as well as Gus Katsaros, Roto World Hockey Analytics columnist, and James Harding, NHL.com fantasy writer. A lot of interesting fantasy plays for the All-Star break, and we'll also go over our fantasy All-Stars up to this point of the season. We are delivered by Domino's as well, folks. And just until this Sunday, okay, until this Sunday, Carry out only. Medium two topping pizza, five ninety nine. That's it. Five ninety nine medium two topping pizza. You hungry? You want a large? Three bucks more. That's all. Can't beat it. Check out all the great deals at Domino's.ca. That's Domino's.ca. And another great. It's Travis Joe's from TSN.ca. Travis, how are you? Did you just refer to me as another great? I'm I did. Not, I'm not sure about that. I did. You are. You are. To me, you are the medium two topping five ninety nine pizza of guests, sir. You're a great. A great deal. And that always brings. You bring can it. upgrade me for three dollars. That's right. <laughs> I don't I don't know what that means, but I'm sure we, we could go somewhere with it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Travis, let's start in Edmonton. Peter Shirelli, we knew it was coming. He gone. No longer the GM of the Oilers. And after his firing was announced, Twitter went down memory lane, highlighted all the missteps and bad moves of the Shirelli era in Edmonton. How much has Shirelli put his, his next full-time successor behind the eight ball with that roster and what he's done with all the contracts? I mean, he's hurt him. I mean, his parting gift, uh, which was not fully his decision, and I think this speaks to the larger issue. Um, the Miko Koskinen extension was as perplexing as one of you know the other eight moves that he made <laughs> at the top of the perplexing hierarchy. I mean, Koskinen looks like he could be a serviceable goaltender going forward with potentially a marginally higher ceiling than, than a goalie like Cam Talbot. But if you kind of look at you know what Talbot versus Koskinen have done to date, and what our confidence is. Like, Koskinen has only seen 700 NHL shots uh, in his entire career. And, you know, I think it's 28 games played with Edmonton and four, like, seven years ago with the Islanders. You know what we know about a goaltender who's faced 700 shots? Almost nothing. Yeah. I mean, it is, <laughs> it is a very small sample of data. And the point being is, for as much upside as they think Koskinen has, the other side of it is, you know, that, that contract could turn out to be actually quite risky because they gave him three years around $4 million. I think it's three years, $13.5 million. That's a pretty sizable contract for a goalie that, you know, if you look at goaltenders on a, on a base of 700 shots, you know almost nothing about them. And that, that to me, uh, you are really betting heavy that your scouting team has said, okay, whatever 9-10 save percentage that he's shown in all situations, and I think he's 9-1-5 at 5-5, we think he's as good or better than that. And I, I don't know that there's any mathematical argument that would defend that. So I, I, I did think, though, that that was a kind of a perfect encapsulation of the end of that era because not only did the decision not make any sense, it was defended by the hockey establishment to some degree. And just like the Taylor Hall trade was, just right. like the multiple draft picks for Griffin Reinhardt uh, deal was, 
just like the initial Jordan Everly trade was. And now it's interesting to me that there is a pylon of Peter Chiarelli, who obviously I think he did a very poor job in Edmonton, but the reality is he had plenty of people who would just endorse his moves in lockstep, and then not two years later, everyone's saying, oh, you know, Chiarelli (laughs) really set this team back years ago. That's kind of the point, and this is the area where, you know, I won't just say just the analytics community, but a large part of the analytics community, would point to these decisions when they were made and say this this is awful. The Milan Lucic contract, another oh, yeah. one. Like Jeez. these are these are black and white data points that were never defensible at the time that they were made, and yet you had people endorsing those moves and and backing Shirelli to some degree. And look, it's completely backfired. And I think that's the more pressing issue for Edmonton going forward here is how do we rebuild this entire organization? Because it wasn't just the GM that was making bad moves; they were plausibly endorsed by everyone around him for two, three years. Unbelievable. And, listen, we know the team has question marks, obviously, Edmonton, the front office, but Connor McDavid coming out of the All-Star game saying, hey, we're out to prove people wrong, kind of the us-against-the-world type of situation. And the fact that he brought up they're only three points out of a playoff spot, and we've talked on the show how crazy this specific division is uh, what do you think? Is this something where the Oilers can rally and actually shock the world and, and maybe make it a conversation to get into the playoffs? Well, here's the crazy thing, right? And we, you know, we've talked about this, but I, I have so much respect for their first line and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and, and really their core players that I absolutely think they can make the playoffs. Hmm. But, and I would, I would put a, a strong emphasis on the but part here, the Western Conference is very weird this year in that we are very confident there are five teams that are absolutely elite high end. You're going to struggle to beat them in any, any, any environment, any game state, any situation. And then you've got the rest of the West, which is this like muddied middle of marginally competitive teams that, that really lends itself well to a team like Edmonton or, you know, Arizona, Vancouver. Like there's teams on the perimeter that can still legitimately make the playoffs that, I mean, quite frankly, I don't think these are very good teams that we're talking about here. But in the, in the same breath, it's like, hey, look, each conference gets eight playoff teams. And, you know, it, we will carry three more on top of Nashville, Winnipeg, Vegas, San Jose, and uh, and Calgary. And that's that, to me, is an important distinction here because it, it's one thing to make the playoffs. And I think I think that's Edmonton's goal. I think that's Minnesota, Dallas's, Colorado, whoever. Uh, but... It is going to be very hard for any of those teams, that, that those final three teams, to advance out of the first round the way the matchups are setting up. And that, that's, and that to me, is more so the, the discussion point around Edmonton. It's not, can we make the playoffs? It's, do we have a legitimate contender? I think the answer to the first question is yes. Uh, I think the second the answer to the second question is absolutely not. No, no. In conversation with Travis Yost of TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost. And Travis, it's tough to imagine now Ken Hitchcock winning the Jack Adams Trophy as Coach of the Year for the job he's doing in Edmonton. But on TSN.ca this week, you took a real interesting look at the link between the winners of the Jack Adams and a sudden rise in team save percentage. And the pattern of teams having a one-off spike in save percentage over a season and the head coach of that team winning Coach of the Year, it's amazing. So with, with all the info you've detailed in the uh, article, keeping that in mind, who do you think will win the Jack Adams this year? And is there a better way for voters in the NHL to use information to help inform their votes when it comes to awards like this? Yeah, I, I think that's really the, the most interesting point here is 
We do not, and I say we, I include myself in the, for sure in this group, we do not do a great job of being able to suss out true coaching impact. And right. what it has done, I looked at the last 10 years, and basically every single finalist for the Jack Adams was one of two coaches. A coach who led a team to the top of the Eastern or Western Conference and had an elite team with 110, 115 points, which I always find interesting because, generally speaking, you can't get to 110, 115 points without a really sound roster. Um, you might be able to go back and look at a couple data points and say, okay, no, we think this is coaching impact. But generally speaking, those are really robust rosters that are built well by the front office and executed well by the coaching staff. So th- there's a bit of a gray with that one. The second, the second segment, though, are coaches that take over teams that had low save percentages one year and then saw a random skyrocketing of save percentage in the, in the following year to which then everyone says, wow, that coach is doing a great job because they're winning games like crazy. And the, the, really, the, the part where we're missing the boat, and this is why so many Jack Adams coaches are fired, which is kind of the uh, beautiful irony of the NHL, we, don't, we, we assume that just because the goaltender is playing well, that that is a universal data point that says the coach is having a really strong impact on his team's performance. Right. And ultimately, what ends up happening is we say, okay, give Paul McClain the Jack Adams. Give Patty Waugh the Jack Adams. Give you know, a litany of coaches over the last 10 years the best you know, coach of the year award. And you know what happens the following year? The save percentage immediately regresses back to league norms. And then those coaches go on the hot seat because they saw a ten point, you know, downturn in in performance in the standings. And and I, I just I don't know. It, it's a very tricky and complex matter to really understand how to evaluate coaches. But I do know that we, the voting contingency, are vastly, vastly, vastly overweighting how goaltenders play in that equation. And like I I think a great example here is I I don't know where Barry Trotz this year sits in the hierarchy, but I can almost guarantee you that he will be a finalist for the Jack Adams. And you can make an argument for sure that maybe that makes sense, but it comes back to who leads the league, or uh, I think second, in five-on-five in, five in all situations, save percentage this year. Yeah, comes back. Right? Yeah. Ron Leonard's having a career year, so therefore Barry Trotz is having a career year. Uh, <laughs> it works I, I out that way. a great coach. I just, I, it's, I struggle sometimes reconciling those two data points. Yeah, that's fascinating work there. And last one for you here, Travis, quick. Um, about a month ago, Washington Capitals, hey, cruising. We were talking how great they were, stay, you know, uh, repeat contenders for the Cup. And at the All-Star break, they've lost their last seven. Can you pinpoint what's kind of gone wrong over the last seven games and, and I guess the last month for the, the Capitals? Uh, uh, you know what? I'm not too concerned about it. Schedule got a little tougher. And I don't know. One of, one of the one of the tragedies of the NHL in 82-game season, see same thing in the NBA, is even really, really good teams seem to go through these stretches where they're not playing particularly well. Uh, and, and sometimes you can't attribute it to anything other than randomness. The one thing I will say, though, that's interesting about the Capitals this year is their power play is not very good. And I have to, I'd have to go back and look. But outside of that weird Adam Oates era, you know, post-Bruce Boudreau, but pre-Barry Trotz, um, I can't ever remember a year where the Capitals didn't have a top three, top four power play. They've actually been dreadful uh, since November 1. And I, I think we brought this up last week when talking about the Maple Leafs because Toronto's had similar issues of late. Um, so long story short, I mean, that, that, that is a concerning thing to me, even though only you know such a small number of minutes are played on the power play relative to 5-on-5. Five five, it's been a historical massive weapon for the Capitals because they have arguably the best or second-best goal scorer in the history of the league 
who excels <laughs> in that game state, and now you have a power play that's sort of middling at best. It, it, it really diminishes how strong Washington could be. Um, but again, I, I'm not overly concerned. I just I don't I don't see how they get pushed out of that out of that playoff race. But I do think if there's one thing to watch with a little bit of concern, their power play is just not nearly as good as it used to be. I'll have to keep an eye on that, Travis. Great stuff, buddy. We'll do it again next week. Take care, Andy. All right, there he goes, Travis Yost, TSN.ca. Got to follow him on Twitter, at Travis Yost. After the break, from Hockey Graphs, from The Athletic, it's our buddy Sean Tierney. We'll chat with him next on TSN Hockey Analytics. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's. Unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome back, everybody. This is TSN Hockey Analytics, NHL All-Star Break Edition on TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara. Give us a follow on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. And as you know, folks, we're delivered by Domino's. Till this Sunday, only medium two-topping pizza carryout, only $5.99. You can't beat that. But if you're hungrier, pop on three bucks more, make it a large Medium two-topping pizza, $5.99, or a large for just $3 more. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. That is dominoes.ca. And let's head to the Domino's delivery line with Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs and The Athletic. Shawnee, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing well, Andy. How are you? I am doing well. Also, uh, we're doing, I think, both of us probably better than Peter Shirelli, who is uh, canned uh, from the Edmonton Oilers. We went over that a bit with Travis Yost. But with the Peter Shirelli era officially over, Everybody can move on, but it feels like there's so much work left to be done on that roster and, and what seems to be wasting the world-class talent of Connor McDavid. If you're following up in Peter Shirelli's spot, if you're the next one, where do you even start with that roster? It's a real mess, and you know the Chirelli era ends with kind of a dull thud. Yeah. And now we have Keith, Gret- Keith Gretzky stepping into the role, and you know that's not a long-term solution there, but, you know, the the guy taking over is really well connected to the guy who just left the job. So, mm-hmm. you know, in the short run, I think um, when you start any team off with Connor McDavid, you've got a game changer. I think Dreisaitl, Clefbaum, Nugent Hopkins, you're talking about a core of players that can be the core of a team that winds up being a competitive one, or that's the hope. But after that, the the concern for me looking at this roster is, one, You've got Keith Gretzky in place. Uh, I tweeted out a couple days ago one of those quotes that came out from the draft where, you know, they purposely in Boston drafted someone they projected to be uh, a bottom sixer with their first-round pick. And, you know, Edmonton's pick grid is intact going into this draft, basically. But if you have Keith Gretzky or anything like him in charge as you go into the draft, my worry is that, you know, the Oilers come out of another draft without any uh, sort of real assets from that or maybe some bottom sixers, which is not what they need to, to be adding at this point. Uh, I think there's not a lot of turnover in terms of their contracts either. There's Talbot and maybe Chieson that you can ship out and maybe get some small return if there's a market out there for either of those two. 
But, you know, other than that, Edmonton's kind of bringing back the same roster next year that kind of got them into this hole in hmm. the first place. If you got Ken Hitchcock at the helm again, too, you know, uh, I know that that was kind of a sexy hire at the time, and Edmonton went on kind of a run. Their PDO really spiked. But since then, things have collapsed underneath for Hitch, too, and they're not playing good hockey. In fact, they're playing some really slow, mucky hockey. They're really dragging behind an expected goal differential. So for me, I, I look at a, a core that should work, but then just a ton of immovable problems hanging out all around it. I don't see their way forward. I think next year could be you know, just as ugly as this year unless something else really drastic changes. Yeah, and I, I think for Edmonton too, Sean, you need fresh eyes. Like, clear it out. So for so long, they've just kind of been promoting and shifting from within. Like, it's not working. Try to go to the outside, but it doesn't seem outside of Connor McDavid that it is a very appealing job from what you outlined. So it might be tough to get top talent and new blood in from somebody who might look at it and say, hey, you know what? I'm probably going to get canned after two years. I can't do much with these contracts. Right, and that's how you wind up with someone like Keith Gretzky holding down the interim role. You know, it's just another one of those names, another one of those people that was part of the group that started this problem that or got them into this big situation. Exactly. So, you know, you're hoping you find, you know, like you said, fresh eyes or some new blood that can come in there and shake things up. I, the Oilers haven't convinced me that they're the kind of organization that does that, but maybe they'll do something different this time. Yeah. Let's move on to the uh, Carolina Hurricanes and, and continue the GM uh, talk. One of the most active around the NHL has been the Carolina GM, Don Waddell, and it, it seems as if no player on his roster is off the table when it comes to trade discussions. Everybody, hey, take take a look. And some of the featured names have included Ford's uh, Michael Furland, who's an upcoming UFA, defenseman Dougie Hamilton. Which asset intrigues you the most out of Carolina as we now, boy, just less than a month away from the trade deadline. It's wild to think that we're going to come up on I know. It as quickly as that. I think so. Ferland's the one that's kind of the buzzy name right now. Uh, when I look under the hood for him, he's a, a three goals above replacement player, which is about you know maybe a half a war player. Not really, really um, you know impactful in that way. His production per time on ice is about average for a forward, maybe just a hair above average for a forward. He's been playing really below average minutes for Carolina at even strength, though, and part of that is he's a major penalty taker, and so the the penalty drag, he's got a negative penalty differential, and it's pretty substantial. And so I think a team's going to take this guy on. He's 26. He's in his prime. His contract's really cheap. I think he's at $1.75 million, you know, for the remainder of, of this year, and then he's a UFA. Someone's going to take him on as somebody who can maybe help in their top nine, but for me... He's not the name that really is the home run swing for someone. I think he gives back as much as he creates for you with the penalties. I think Hamilton's name, for some reason, is floating around there again, too. Uh, he's at a plus 23 Corsi differential per 60 at 5-on-5 five five right now, which is just astronomical, one of the best rates uh, this side of Eric Carlson. He's still young. His contract for what he's able to offer is pretty cheap. So, you know, he's a name that I think uh, a number of teams should be interested in. But I look at Brett Pesci again, and I think that's the name for me that if I'm a team looking for someone to add, I would be wanting to see what Waddell's thinking there. He's only behind Ajo in goals above replacement for Carolina, about nine yar, contributes all over the ice, maybe not power play, but everything else. He's only 24 years old. His contract's about $4 million until uh, 2024, I think, right-hand defenseman. So, you know, if this is a roster where names are available, I would be going Brett Petchy would be my, my top choice, and I wouldn't be so sold on Furland as a deadline guy. Hmm. 
in conversation with Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs and The Athletic on Twitter. Got to follow him at Charting Hockey. Uh, Sean, with it being the All-Star break, the All-Star weekend, let's reflect back for a moment for the season up to this point. And biggest surprise, is it like, like Calgary leading the division? Is it the Islanders coming out of nowhere? What's been your biggest surprise or shock so far? Yeah, Calgary is definitely an, uh, a team that has surprised, especially with Big Save Dave sort of Big dragging them Dave, through yes. their, <laughs> their slump. I love any chance to say that, but I, know. I can. I, know. Uh, I think the Islanders, for me, they were kind of predicted to be left for dead when Tavares left in the summer. And then early on, it was their PDO that was kind of floating them. They had a big save percentage and shooting percentage boost that kind of was covering up maybe some you know poor underlying work. But somewhere along the line, somewhere in November or so, uh, they really changed the way that they were playing. Maybe Trotz's system kicked in for them. Right now, they're one of the best teams in the league at controlling the share of expected goals. They're generating more than they allow against. Leonard and Grice have been uh, in the top five of goals saved above average among all goaltending starters so far this year. So, you know, for me, it started off as a bubble that was bound to burst, but their work underneath has improved, and the Islanders are actually, you know, I don't think they're a, a top five team, but they're a team that's, got underlying stats that actually support what they're doing. The other team maybe that kind of catches my eye going into the break is the St. Louis Blues. Okay. They're another one that we kind of, uh, we left them for dead a bit. They were selling, you know, on Hockey Night in Canada, talking names like Tarasenko and Petrangelo maybe being available. Uh, going into the break, their share of expected goals is just soaring. They're at about plus 1.2 uh, goals. That means, you know, generating a, a goal in a little bit more than they allow per game. The next best going into the break was Carolina, under one. And the next best after that was Vegas at about .5, which kind of just gives some context on you know how hard and how well they're playing right now. St. Louis is only at 49 points in the standings, so you know they've got a long road ahead if they're going to get themselves back into the playoff talk. But you know the team doesn't look quite as you know uh, left for dead as it might have been right. early on. Sean, great stuff as always, buddy. Uh, always appreciate you on the show and your great work on Twitter as well, at Charting Hockey. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, thanks, Andy. All right. Sean Tierney, Hockey Graphs and The Athletic, at Charting Hockey on Twitter. We'll head after the break to chat with Gus Katsaros, Roto World Hockey Analytics columnist, McKean's Hockey Analyst. Gus is next on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Cruising along here on TSN Hockey Analytics. It's the NHL All-Star Break Edition. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter. At AndyMC81, the show at TSN Analytics. If you miss any of the program or want to go back and check out past episodes, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, also on the TSN1050.ca show page, and, of course, uh, on Twitter, which I just listed out there for you. Let's get to Gus Katsaros, our buddy from Roto World, Hockey Analytics columnist and from McKean's Hockey. Gus, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. Happy All-Star break. Is that something we can say? Like Merry sure. Christmas, I guess? Sure. Why not? Make it a, yeah, absolutely. We'll make it a thing. Uh, we are delivered by Domino's, by the way. And Gus, joining us on the Domino's delivery line. Check out all the great deals at Domino's.ca. So, Gus, big news from Leafland came off the ice this week when General Manager Kyle Dubas held a scrum for the media. And the big takeaway was that there's a healthy dialogue going on between Austin Matthews' camp and the Leafs' front office on his next NHL contract. So, when we look at this from a strategy standpoint, if you're Kyle Dubas, is this the kind of player in Matthews you want to lock up, just, just 
say, okay, eight years, go at the max, 10, maybe even 11 million bucks, that type of thing? Um, or do you take the approach of a five or six year deal, which has that lower AV because you're buying up less of Matthew's UFA years and can therefore spend more money to put guys around him now, which ideally would be to try to build up and, and win a title? So I think the ideal situation is you always want to have Matthews as long and as in your franchise as possible. So under the assumption that, let's say that they would want him to retire as a Leaf, you clearly right. would want him to, to formulate contracts in order to make that happen. So an eight-year deal would kind of line up simply with um, having John Tavares in the lineup. Um, you would still have a young and competitive lineup over these next few years. Um, to your point of reducing it to five or six years, there's a risk there that had, could he enter you an uh, unrestricted free agency and now there's more competition and, right. and he controls the cards there. Um, I, I think in the end, what the Leafs are going to do are, um, it's not so much about the cap savings over the next five or six years. It's about the, uh, the vision. Where do they want this franchise to be hmm. beyond that five and six years? I mean, Mitch Marner is also going to be paid from Matthew's camp at the same time, after five or six years, that max contract where right now might be in the 10, 11, 12 million dollar range might even be a lot more. So maybe they want to take that shorter term and say, you know, maybe I'll take my chances and perhaps get even more as an unrestricted free agent, even if he does end up resigning with Toronto. So I think that there's an element of positives and negatives in either scenario, more so I think for Austin Matthews than it really is for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Gus, let's get to some trade deadline talk. Yesterday marked officially the one month. Uh, well, it's going to be in one month, which, again, I talked with Sean Tierney before this. We can't believe it's already coming up that quick. But lots of Leaf trade chatter have circled around the Carolina Hurricanes and specifically two of their defensemen, Dougie Hamilton and Brett Pesci. Both fit the mold of a right-handed defenseman, which we know Mike Babcock covets. Hamilton's game a little more flashy than Pesci's, and his contract is a little tougher to swallow. Would it be worth it if the right deal came up, or do you still feel Pesci might be the better fit? Well, I mean, Pesci, again, this is another uh, matter of shorter versus longer term. Mm-hmm. Um, Dougie Hamilton only has a couple years left after this one on um, on an expiring contract. Brett Pesci is, uh, has three more years after that. So if the Leafs really decided that, you know, we're going to lock in all our core players, we're going to ensure that our defense is performing at a specific level, I'll get to right back to that detail in a moment. Um, but if they feel that this is a piece that they can see longer term, um, then I think Brett Pesci might be that uh, um, that asset. I also think Pesci would be a little bit cheaper as far as acquisition costs. Um, and I think W. Hamilton would be maybe a little bit more expensive. However, um, in the end, what the Leafs really need is a little bit more of a defensive stability. And Brett Pesci is the ultimate of defensive defensemen. If you have to make a definition for what a defensive defenseman is in today's NHL, because it's clearly not what it used to be back in the day, the bash, smash, and crash. And, sure. You know, all that, that. That's passe now. Brett Pesci is that model. So if they don't have anybody in their organization, which they don't, to play that style of game, then Pesci is the absolute smart move short and long term. In conversation with Gus Katsaros from Roto World Hockey, analytics columnist there, and McKean's Hockey as well on Twitter, Cats Hockey. That is Cats with a K on 
Twitter. So, guys, All-Star break provides us a great time to, to kind of reflect on the season so far and look ahead and, and prepare for any adjustments that we may need to be ready for moving forward. So, lots of expectations, of course, coming into the season for the Maple Leafs. John Tavares, Matthews, Mar- everybody, Freddie Anderson. From what has played out so far, have your expectations for the Leafs season gotten higher, gotten lower as far as where we project them to go from here? Well, I think entering the season, we all knew that they would be just as explosive uh, yeah. offensively as they would be. Adding John Tavares clearly you know, makes that exponentially better. Um, but there are little elements that I still find that are, are, are missing in the Leafs game. And, and, and we've discussed this before about um, little physicality elements, in particular mm-hmm. when trying to get the puck back when you don't have possession. Those little things have yet to be addressed. I'm kind of hoping that there's a coaching solution. If not, um, you can't really just bring in bodies and expect them to change a style. So my expectations for Toronto were they, they would be division and conference contenders, and that's what they are. Mm-hmm. They are they are legit Stanley Cup contenders, but I wouldn't put them right in the middle or at the top there. If we had to look at the bubble, I would figure that they were at the bottom of the bubble as far as contention goes. And the major reason for that, I think, is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're just the class of the Eastern Conference. And, you know, to beat them, it's not just going to take a good team. You're going to have to have a little bit of horseshoes um, and some luck in order to actually overcome the, the skill level and the tenacity and the way that they actually play the game. So they've exceeded my personal expectations of where they would actually be right now as far as points and all of that. Um, But I still have a lot of concerns going into the trade deadline and then into the playoffs. And I think, too, Gus, when you look at how good Tampa Bay is and considering over a seven-game series, that's going to be a tough out. Seeding in the Atlantic becomes ever more important, right? Like, if you're the Leafs, you're not getting one. You've got to get two. You, yeah. you've, got to, you've got to try to get in a situation to avoid them for as long as possible. You know, my 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 concern here is something that happened with the Leafs a while back. Um, it used to be Philadelphia where they had to overcome. So they built a team to overcome Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Then they built a team to overcome New Jersey because New Jersey was a class at the time. And we're talking about the pre-first lockout in 2005-06. Right. They made mistakes about trying to beat that one roster. The Leafs need to just complete and do whatever is in the vision right now. Trust the process, as Kyle Dubas kind of, uh, likes to allude to, um, and keep building that team the way that they want to build it, and Tampa Bay will take care of itself. At some point in time, they'll go on a decline, the Leafs will go on the incline, situations will change. Don't do something just to be competitive with Tampa Bay. Keep to the original vision, trust your process, and expect good results. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, don't don't worry about others, take care of your own business. And uh, last one for you here, guys. One of the the big excitements heading into the All-Star break was we saw Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner get to play together five-on-five five after Mike Babcock continued to tinker with the lines. What did you see from the combination of two of the Leafs' brightest stars? And is this a combination you think we are likely to see down the stretch and then into the playoffs? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I think that the the combination of Tavares and Marner is just much more potent than anything um, where they move them to different lines. Obviously, they needed to kickstart something with Matthews, and they needed to kickstart something with Marner. And, you know, it's actually nice to be able to have that kind of an element where you're able to move a player up and down the lineup um, in order to help another player that might be struggling somewhat. Um, We also saw a little bit of a breakup from William Nylander. Part of that had to do with the play of Nazem Kadri. Mm -hmm. So... Perhaps this tinkering is more of a, a, a way to um, inject a little bit of offensive thrust 
into a player that might be struggling a bit, but I really wouldn't expect Matthews and Marner to stick together down the stretch or even in the playoffs. If it does happen, it's going to be momentary and specific to a situation. And I guess at least two, you know, well, you, you could anticipate that that would have worked and, and gone well. It is always something that you can go back to for a short stretch. If you need to, as you said, kickstart something again, right? But yeah, to put everything in that one, that one line might be, might be a bit of a stretch, right? Absolutely. And coaches are going to key in on that too, yeah. right? Yeah, they, yeah. they probably have a strategy to, okay, well, if they're loading up their front line, that means there's going to be a deficiency on line two, three, four. And, sure. and it's not like, yeah, so they have to be able to come up with those contingencies. And, and you know, one game that we saw just recently was great, but in order to, I mean, video in today's NHL is very sophisticated. So if teams start to latch on and realize just exactly how good that first line is and start defending the rest of the roster even heavier, um, then the dependency is on that first line to score. Then all of a sudden you shut down that first line, the leads become a lot easier to play against. Gus, love it as always, buddy. Thank you so much. Pleasure is always mine. Thank you very much. All right, there he goes. Gus Katsaros from Roto World Hockey, one of their great analytics columnists, as well as from McKean's Hockey on Twitter, at Cats Hockey, Cats with a cut after the break. James Harding, NHL.com fantasy writer. We're going to get into our all-star fantasy performers to this point in the season, but also some prop plays, some fantasy games you can get into for the all-star game this weekend. We'll chat with James Harding next on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. To wrap up the NHL All-Star Break edition of TSN Hockey Analytics right here on TSN 1050 Toronto, I'm Andy McNamara. You miss any of the show or want to check out past episodes, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, tsn1050.ca. Under the show page section, you can find us there as well. We'll tweet it out on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. Let's head now to the Domino's Delivery Line. And folks, only till this Sunday, go grab a medium two-topping pizza for just $5.99 on carryout orders. Beautiful deal. You want a large? Three bucks more. That's it. Get all the great deals. Check it all out at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. NHL Fantasy Time from NHL.com fantasy writer James Harding. James, how's it going, bud? Uh, I am doing great, Andy. I have to say, though, I don't know if we would have said this a couple of weeks ago, but one player who probably didn't want to see the All-Star break right now is William Nealon. <laughs> yes! Red hot, right? Hey, he's still not scoring, but as a uh, making the, the what, what do you have, three the other night? Is that somebody, James, We to start off, we chatted about this, maybe it was last week or the week before, about Will Nylander, league in season-long fantasy, do you hold on to him, when's it time? When you saw that that burst, is this does that give you optimism, or do you think it might be a one-off like with the All-Star break coming? Do you think his stock is rising? I, I think his stock is going up a little bit. Yeah, I think he's you know finally starting to to settle in. You know, they did drop him down in the lineup yeah. uh, to kind of help take the pressure off of him a little bit, uh, take the spotlight off of him. But you know, when when you hold out for forty percent of the season <laughs> and then you you sign the big contract, it's kind of hard to stay out of the, the spotlight no matter where you are. But uh, we, we said that he's one of those players who, when he gets the confidence, he can start, you know, putting the points up in bunches. So I, I think that now he's got points in two straight. Uh, I, I really think that we could see him start to pile points on 
at a, I don't necessarily know if he's going to go on a long streak, but certainly, you know, uh, points in two out of three or three out of five games, I think you could reasonably start to expect that from him the rest of the season. Yeah, get a bit more consistent. I think it's going to be very telling that first week out of the All-Star game for him as far as fantasy relevance because now it's a reset for everybody, right? You're not hitting. This is a reboot for everybody. Can you hit it coming right off? And if he struggles and doesn't, then we're gonna. I think we might be looking at a lost season. So that'll be very interesting to follow. Uh, Gus, let's or Gus, James. Sorry, we we're talking to Gus Conceros before. Uh, James, let's go. Let's go over uh, some of the All Star fantasy picks. All Star weekend. So, uh, fantasy All Stars in your mind to this point of the season at every position. Okay, so let's start. Let's start with center. And this is hey, you can go in a whole bunch of different directions here. Where are you looking at for center? Yeah, yeah, and this one uh, probably wouldn't have been on anybody's fantasy radar at the beginning of the season. Certainly wasn't on mine uh, coming off of a 66-point season last year in 82 games, which opened some eyes, but it's Braden Point from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Nice. Uh, You know, he's third in scoring right now uh, in centers behind Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon, seventh in the NHL in scoring overall, 65 points in 49 games, but he's – playing just out of his mind and obviously on that team surrounded by the talent that he's surrounded by in Tampa Bay. 13 power play goals so far is tied to the NHL lead with David Pasternak from the Bruins. 22 power play points is tied for 10th. He has 30 goals on only 127 shots. So he's shooting at a 23.6% clip right now, which is just absolutely out of this world. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to keep that up and sustain that for the rest of the year, but it tells me that even though he's not shooting a lot, he's shooting smart and he's picking his points and he's capitalizing. Um, He's only one point away from matching his season total from last year in an 82-game season. So in less than 50 games right now, he's well on pace to break the 90 or even 100-point barrier. So I I like Braden Point there as my all-star center, even though – Guys like McDavid and McKinnon are having slightly better seasons. Sure. And let's go winger. You can pick left, right, whatever. Just winger overall, your fantasy all-star. Yeah, yeah. And it's Johnny Gaudreau from the Calgary Flames. Uh, fourth overall in the NHL in scoring right now. He leads all left wingers with 44 assists and 73 points. Uh, he is the second-ranked fantasy left winger behind Alexander Ovechkin in Yahoo Standard Leagues. The fifth-ranked skater in Yahoo Fantasy overall. The only reason he's behind Ovechkin is because of the shot totals and the hits totals that Ovechkin gets, which push him just a little bit higher. But overall, uh, Gaudreau is having a much more well-rounded and fantasy-relevant season, uh, especially in the leagues that focus only on uh, points and and scoring. So I really love where Johnny Gaudreau is right now. Miko Rontanen would be number two on that list for fantasy winger, but I, I like where Gaudreau is at the moment, and I think he's going to have a big finish to the season. Let's swing to defense on the blue line, your fantasy all-star defender. Another tough position to break down. Yeah, yeah, and this one uh, is going to make some people up there happy, and it's Morgan oh. Riley. Nice. Yeah, from, from the Maple Leafs. Uh, 50 points right now, 13 goals and 37 assists. is third among NHL defensemen behind only Brett Burns and Mark Giordano. Uh, plus 23 in that offense is, uh, you know, a, a mark that you would expect when you have the goaltending that you're getting from Frederick Anderson this season when he's been healthy. And so that team is is uh, scoring a lot and not giving up a lot of goals. So plus 23 in any league 
is huge for a player on defense like Riley. Uh, 15 power play points and 10.2% shooting percentage is the highest among top 35 scoring defensemen in the NHL. And obviously his stock rises with his exposure to the elite forwards that the Maple Leafs have, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and hopefully a resurgent William Nylander. Yeah, Morgan Riley, what a stud of a season so far. See if he can continue it after the All-Star break. And goaltender, your fantasy All-Star goalie. Yeah, and this one uh, might be a little bit of a stretch pick right now, but where he's come from where he was last season to this season now is Robin Lehner from the Islanders. Um, Only 15 wins on the season because he has been in a timeshare with Thomas Grice, but a 2.02 goals against average and a 9.31 save percentage lead all NHL goaltenders in both categories. He at present is the top-ranked fantasy goaltender in Yahoo Standard League's and coming into the All-Star break, another guy who might not have wanted to see such a long break because of how well he's been playing lately, he's allowed two goals or less in eight of his past ten games with two shutouts. Uh, the work that Mitch Korn, the Islanders' goaltending uh, director, and Piero Greco, their goaltending coach, have been able to do with Laner this year to really finally get him to realize the potential. And obviously, his very public battle with uh, alcohol and drugs mm-hmm. and the mental health issues that he came forward with before the season, now that he's finally healthy and has uh, sought treatment and is trying to you know, just get back on the right track with his life, uh, it's an incredible story. Uh, he, he will probably be the comeback player of the year, and at this point right now, he's playing just the absolute best hockey of his career and is the top fantasy goaltender, in my opinion. And James, finally, top fantasy rookie. So difficult to predict and project in the NHL when you got a rookie coming in. Who's your top fantasy rookie? Yeah, and then I said it at the beginning of the year, and the hype was all around this guy, and he has lived up to it at every uh, imaginable stop so far, even though he's missed 11 games due to injury, and that's Elias Pettersson yeah. from the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, 45 points in 40 games. He leads all rookies in scoring by 19 points. Uh, the next closest are uh, uh, Colin White and Rasmus Dahlin with 26 points. So 45 points in 40 games on a team in the Vancouver Canucks that isn't necessarily known as an offensive powerhouse or a juggernaut. Uh, he's on pace for 79 points right now, and I would definitely think about slotting him into your DK lineup for the All-Star game tonight. Only $5,000 in DraftKings, uh, so, so he's one of the lower-priced centers in DraftKings tonight for the All-Star Contest. And Fantasy All-Stars from James Harding on Twitter, at jharding underscore hockey, brought to you by Three Brewers Microbrewery Restaurants. Check out a location close to you around the GTA. Great food, great beer, great times. And James, you said DraftKings Contest tonight. Yeah, it's kind of a a fun way to enjoy All-Star Weekend. You don't have to stop on the fantasy side for your season-long leagues. You can play on DraftKings. The the DFS side of it, though, with DraftKings Contest, it's so tricky because at All-Star Games, you don't know how many minutes players are going to play, if they're goofing around, like how do you plan to set a DraftKings lineup when it comes to the All-Star games? Yeah, I would, you know, it's difficult, especially when it comes to the goaltenders because, you know, the goaltenders are there to have fun, but they're not there to try and get hurt. So, you know, it's definitely, we've seen it over the last few years in this three-on-three, a a goal-scoring fest, and, you know, the goaltenders uh, aren't necessarily really trying to make a lot of stops just because they're sitting there not trying to get hurt for the stretch run. Um, 
you know, you, you, you've, you have to kind of pick and choose which team you think is going to win each matchup and play that second game. Uh, so, you know, definitely try and balance your lineup as much as you can. Don't overload on uh, players from one of the divisions versus any of the others. Uh, and definitely value players. You know, look at a Matt Barzell at 4400 the lowest-priced center tonight. Uh, Clayton Keller at 3900 the lowest-priced winger. Uh, a guy like John Carlson on defense at only $4,700 uh, who comes in tonight with a three-game point streak uh, out of the break. So, you know, you've got to look at the guys who are going to give you great value and who can excel in a format like that, and you also have to expect that there's going to be a lot of scoring no matter what. James, great stuff as always, buddy. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Andy. I'll talk to you soon, brother. Absolutely. There he goes. James Harding, NHL.com, fantasy writer on Twitter, at jharding underscore hockey. That'll do it, folks. For producer Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050.